Hello, welcome to Braveful, a podcast with and for achieving women. I'm your host, Amy Zeigert. I'm so excited to share with you stories of women who are brave and gutsy. This show is a weekly view into the hearts and minds of what has enabled these fabulous ladies to take a leap and go forward with bold ideas. So join me in an opportunity to listen, learn, and lean in, Braveful style. Everybody, thank you for joining. Today, we are speaking with Rachel. Does it go Oz? Yes, it is. That's exactly right. Which fits you very well because you are awe-inspiring in my book. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself versus me doing it. I'll let you do it. Oh, sure. So I uh, live in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I work as a psychologist, an art playgroundist and author. I see art playgroundist because making art feels like recess to me when I was little and running on the playground with my friends, feeling the wind in my hair and the swings. What a great way to say that. Yeah, thank you. And then I also uh, enjoy playing as a, a clothing ambassador. So I definitely enjoy clothing and just dressing up again, kind of like being kids and playing and being who we are, just showing up. But I think you should highlight that you love color too. That would be true. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, so yes. Yeah, so as an author, I have to let everybody know that I had the privilege of reading three of your books and we can dive into this. Speaking of dive in, diving in. Yep. And I was shocked that one of the the quotes on page 42 was about as you swim and was all about saying thank yous. And at the turn of each lap, how you basically said thank you for the little things, the big things, whatever things that were on your heart at that time. Mm-hmm. And so what gave you the idea? I, I'm assuming you swim, that this just wasn't a right, write a book about diving in, but you you right. literally attached the physical aspect of swimming to what people always talk about, diving in, you know, just Go in go for it. first, yeah. go for it, whatever it is. Yeah. But I found, you know, and again, my kids both swam. I swam. Oh. I, I found, I kept thinking to myself all the time I wasted swimming. I mean, and I shouldn't say wasted because I, I mean, I love swimming. Okay. But, but you, you take it almost the emotional, spiritual side of swimming. And what gave you that idea to do that? Mm, Yeah, I think that I just, I don't, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm just playful and light and there's just, I'm not, all these other layers aren't occurring to me, but sometimes it's just about being who I am. I just enjoy so much connecting life with life. You know, if I'm swimming, I'm thinking about other parts of life and I just enjoy thinking in a layered way. And so, you know, the book diving in was just this piece that dawned on me that it's the, the pool and the lakes and being in water is so similar to the diving into our lives. We can stand on the edge of it all 
and look in and think about it. And we can also jump into the waters to our lives and be really engaged. And the more engaged we are in it, I just find the more beauty there is. And that's really reinforcing for me to think that way. Right. Well, and, and again, I find it, I, I love your comment about thinking in a layered way versus, you know, sometimes when I would swim, I'd be like, okay, how many more laps am I going to do? And, and yes, I've had, I think that too. It's very um, yeah. myopic focus on that very, when am I going to be done sort of a deal? But I love how it's almost distracting where I, I can almost feel a joy in a task versus feeling when's it going to be over sort of a deal. Right, right. I just really want to join with you, Amy, and with people listening that that I am both of those things. That some <laughs> swims are that where I'm, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm feeling tired and crabby and crazy, you know, whatever, you know, like I absolutely have that too. I'm so with you. You know, it's sort of the shadow and light, right? Like we have right. it all and we're right. just being honest about it all. Right. No, I agree. Well, and then in another, this part, I just laughed at because, you know, as, as a lot of women, we, we color our hair. And so, and page 56, you say chlorine is drying out my hair. And when I read that, I thought, and it's ruining my hair color. I should have worn some sort of cap because I'm going to have to go back to Tanya and say, oops, I've been swimming in chlorine. It does. It wrecks the hair and the color. Right. And so I just thought it was interesting where you said there are costs for being all in and there are trade-offs for everything. And I'm like, that's my trade-off. I can go and and swim in solitude, but yet my hair is going to be potentially, because God knows I don't want to wear a cap on my head and potentially look dorky. So yes, yes. Right, right. Oh, goodness. I wish I would have brought it to this conversation, but I do have a swim cap. Speaking of looking dorky, <laughs> swim caps. I have one that is, you know, first of all, the uh, material of a swim cap that's like all, what is that waxy, plasticky, feel, stretchy feeling? I have no I idea. But I have one that's all multicolored uh, 3D flowers. It's stitched together in that same material with all these hilarious colored flowers. It probably looks so, very 1950s or 60s. At- I think it kind of does, actually. So, right, so let's say making a fool of ourselves to be ourselves, you know, in the I say that in the best way. Right. Like it's so brave to be who we are, to to just be like, this brings me joy. And even if I look so silly, whatever, my joy is worth it. I'm worth it. Right. Oh, yeah. So I guess I'm trying to think, where's my other? I just, uh, you know, again, I'm just fascinated by how you took what for some people swimming can, you know, maybe there are some people that don't know how to swim, that don't know how to dive in. So how do you, how do you take your thoughts as you've been swimming and change it around? So somebody who doesn't swim, doesn't um, have the courage to dive in. How do you give them that courage if they read your book? I, I again, I, I love, I love the analogy of swimming. I just love it. Right. You're, it Cause you swim. I have found with this particular book diving in that 
certainly it speaks swimmers language or people who love the water, but also through it, I have like found a number of people because of the book who also have fear of the water. Um, One person, you know, spoke of fear of even a shower and, but certainly a more common one is of the ocean going into the ocean with all the life that's in there, you know, sharks. Yeah. I got it. For example. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah, so everyone doesn't relate to the water or to, um, the positivity. Okay. And so while I wrote that particular book, it's the one book I wrote that's very specific, right? About diving in the water. And of course, while I take the reader through a swim and diving in, the analogy is really about diving into our lives. And of course, our bodies are made of water, right? I mean, a huge percentage of our body is water. So the deep, deep message is about diving into who we are and into this water and into this life. And that when I do that, when I don't just stand on the edge of my life, where I walk forward, into the drippy, juicy, alive, live part of my life. That is where the vibrancy is and the beauty is, and, and even in the messiness and the missteps and the bad strokes. The bad strokes, <laughs> folks, you know, but that that's the deeper piece. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I would say you give it almost in a childlike format. Where you can, yeah, where it's easy to understand, embrace. Yeah, so I just absolutely, and it's a very quick read, which is fun for people that are looking for some inspiration and a reason to dive in. And again, just by thinking of ways you can be thankful, that alone will bring color to your life, which I found extremely just too easy. And why? Why don't we do that with other of life's diving in moments? You know, why don't we find the beauty in it versus always being potentially irritated or not happy about having to do something? As there are moments when somebody says, you want to go swim and you just want to go, can we just float? Can we just, you know, slide down the slide? Why do we have to make this, you know, work? But you've given, you've given diving in a new meaning to me at least. Which so that's that's book one, which I absolutely loved. Easy read. I thought it was fabulous. The other book that I just oh, it it makes me think of my my mother-in-law or mother-in-love who has passed away. But it what it's the book all I did was listen. You know, part of your introduction to it, you basically said, all I do is pull up a chair, lean in, and listen. And, and when's the last time we have done that and actually did active listening with someone? And so what does it feel like to do active listening? You know, I, I think that I had a flash. I'm just going to be transparent in this moment with your question. I had this flash to being speaking of like the inner child like of the, these books, Spirit, to being maybe um, five years old mm-hmm. and having a birthday party. And I pulled aside one friend, which, you know, is probably not the most eloquent thing to do when you're having a party and you want to be there for 
the group, but you know, it's five. And I pulled aside the friend because I just wanted to be with one person. And, you know, I, I found my way back to the group, but I remember that desire that there is something I think about that one-to-one interaction that I find in my psychology practice that I find in talking with you right now, although we're talking in a way with a group of one, right? We're, we, we are a oneness with listeners, which I love with the, the braveful mm-hmm. oneness. And so I just was thinking about that and how there is a, there's an intimacy to listening there is connection and honoring and a humility, I think, of who are you and, and what are you bringing to the table? And knowing, like in my psychology practice, which is also in this book, all I did was listen, a big premise, which is, oh my goodness, I learned so much through listening, way more than through talking. <laughs> you know, so my, my therapy clients have taught me worlds over the years. I've learned so much from them. And that is why in this book, I include, and it's my inspiration, all these anonymous inspiring therapy client quotes. And it's from there that I'm writing some reflection on. And it's inspiring my drawings and colors. And I mean, they inspire me. So I feel like listening, it's a life force. Right. And stories were absolutely amazing. And so part of me feels as if I'm, I'm revealing patient secrets, but yet you have, Mm -hmm. everything is anonymous. And that's where the listening part came in. The, your ability to, to kind of share the power of listening and the power of the response, because they clearly felt, they felt you listening. They felt that like a safe haven for them to respond, you know, on page 26, you, you know, somebody had said, calling myself crazy is maybe a detour distraction from getting at the real issue. And then I thought, well, now this was even more powerful because you said, isn't it true that name calling is simply a fear of living into our bigger and real and shining selves. So I just, you know, and I think we as women are so much harder on ourselves oh. um, because of, I think we just are. And, and I don't know why, but I thought, how did you even come up with that? I mean, do you have to sit and listen to yourself as earnestly as you sit and listen to others when you come up with these phenomenal responses? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. and. Yeah, I think that it's, you're making a profound point and a profound curiosity on your part that there is something that happens in a dual way of listening to others, that there's also a listening to self. Mm -hmm. That certainly um, when I'm writing this, I need to listen to what is hitting me in that resonant place that I'm hearing that I would want to share with readers. And why is it hitting me? Why is that important? What are the chords? What's the music? And so then, yeah, so then I do need to listen to what drops in about what's relevant, what's beautiful. And I do find 
for myself, it's the way I, Rachel, process. We all have our ways that when I sit down with it and I'm, you know, at the computer, at the keyboard, that I just start typing. It just starts coming in. Um, and so I'm the secretary for whatever insights and light wants to come through, I think. I find it interesting, the Rachel process. Mm-hmm. So kind of define the Rachel process. Because I find, you know, I might have to call my my process the Amy process. I don't know what that right. process would be. Right. Right. So kind of how we filter what moves us. So for me, being Rachel, I do love to write. And I mean, there's many things I love to do and be and am. But one of my ways that I process is through writing. I've always loved words since I was little. Loved words. You know, I was little saying, let me have a poetry class, writing class, or, you know, I mean, I've just always been in love with words. You know, if you, if you said to me, let's play thesaurus and it's your turn. You think of a word, let's look up all the synonyms and antonyms. That would be fun for me. (laughs) me. (laughs) See, that's what I mean. That, That would be a Rachel processing. Today, for example, I said to someone, and this is to say this doesn't give anything away. I sat with a client this morning and I said, um, what would you like to say to your inner child about dot, 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 dot? And he sat there and, and tried to think through things he'd say, but none of it was quite resonating. And then he said, actually, I want to give him a hug. So I just think we all have our different ways that we process or need to move in the world. And we have to do it the way we feel moved, you know, each one okay. of us. Okay. And yours is through writing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's one of my ways. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to come up with an Amy process. I don't know what that would be yet. I need to work on that one. Yeah. So is there a common theme between diving in and all I did was listen. And then the third book, The Great Green Okayness. Is there a common theme that you have? Mm, a common theme. You know, I think that I would say a river that runs through it all and through all my work is encouraging people to be who they are, to be themselves. That whatever process and supports that need to, to be near you construct them, lean into them, lean into who you are, lean into what has discouraged you, any messages growing up or from being brave enough to be yourself and live out loud. Um, That one. To use your voice, uh, to be authentic, to put your authenticity out there that you know, your podcast is called Braveful. And I think the most brave thing we can all do is to be who we are and uh, dive into that mm-hmm. and show that, be willing to show that. One of my art prints says, um, speak the truth, even if your voice shakes, you mm-hmm. know, that this is vulnerable business and it's beautiful business. And that I think when we softly lean into the vulnerable parts of us, that what will always be there are gems. That's where our rubies are and our sapphires and our rose quartz. 
that that's those are our riches and so and and that's the brave stuff in my mind so wow. I think that's that's what I would think about what would you say about me doing the briefest little book reading oh I love it Okay, I'm going to do it from all I did. Before. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I, I, I found this book to just be so, it, it's, it's every person, it's, it's everyone. And yeah, and I think every, everyone, yeah, I'll let you do your thing. because I agree. I agree. And that is why I put this forward. It, it really is this chronicle of our transformation. That's all of ours. Yeah. So, and um, the client quote is, it is more important to be myself than to be right. And if you want to find it, it's on page 202. And, and here is my reflection. Be myself. I am learning from the wild kingdom, from the starfish in the depths to the mountain goat in the heights and all life in between who abide in their strength, who breathe into all they are, and who are art on earth. Maybe our only business is to be beautiful. Oh. And so I think that that, when you ask the question about a theme, I think that's the theme, you know, that yeah, if you're a goat, wear the goat, be the goat. Right. Sound right. like the goat. You know, for me, I want to wear the Rachel. I want to wear what brings me joy and what makes me feel alive and what resonates. And sometimes that shifts over time too, right? right? Like a few years ago, something may have felt really comfortable, authentic, and I'm evolving, you know, right. and I'll keep evolving. And so, but that's also the vulnerability, right? To be who you are. And I think it's no small thing. Right. I realize on some level, be who you are might sound like almost a cliche or an overused, right? right? And yet, it, I think there's nothing that could be more profound if we were all truly moving out of the softness of our hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder how that could change the world. Not trying to be something else or prove something. Or well, to just be content who you are. Yeah. At that moment, because kind of what you said, we're all in different seasons of life and, and we are going to seasons are going to come and go and, and they're going to change us. And I think to be able to embrace and accept that season is super important. And, and I think we get that a little bit more as we get older. Yeah. I think we kind of embrace that. So which so opposite of what you just read or the opposite page which I absolutely love that is if you are looking, you will find me in the field of myself, Yes. which yes. basically goes with bloom where you are bloom where you're planted. I love that one. I, I, again. Yeah. Why go to someone else's field or garden when you have probably right. a beautiful garden all on your own. Right. And we can visit one another's garden. My right. garden can come hop over to yours and, and say, well, look at your beautiful daisies. And you might say to me, and your strawberries today are so plump. <laughs> I'll say, thank you, Amy. That's classic. That is just, yeah. And 
some people, you know, I want to speak to any people listening who might think, well, that sounds good, but I don't know how to get there because I didn't grow up with kind of that affirmation or kindness. And I grew up doubting myself and I still do. And of course we all do at times. And, and so how do I, I don't know how to kind of get there. Can I, and sometimes I just, you know what, I'm going to just go with the theme in our conversation that seems to be coming up about like the little parts of us, that inner child. And that sometimes I just like to think simply, you know, like being a child. And with that being said, I just think, okay, a simple example, not simple, like easy, but just sort of a peeled back one. Right. Like when we're little, like the idea of, well, like with clothing, what pair of socks mm. might your heart just skip a little beat about? And, and is it because it's a color that is um, appealing to you or a pattern or because it's two different color socks? Or is it the way the socks look against the pants or the skirt or uh, your bare skin? Is it the way the socks feel because they're soft and plushy or because of just the right amount of tightness or looseness around your ankle or just the right fit or just the right warmth or coolness, you know? And so it's like taking this one thing and let it be an exercise for noticing what feels good to you, right? We can take that to any other realm. It could be um, relationships, you know, with, is this a friend that's a good person for me to select to have around me? Are they just the right tightness or looseness around me? Are they soft around me? Are they just the right amount of warmth or cool? Is it the way their colors feel around me? Is it the tone of them? Blah, 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 blah. Like we can take that with us. And there's this even deeper thing still of daring to believe you're worth asking the questions about. Right. And if you need some help in looking at worth, you know, is a counselor then helpful to support you? You know, do you have pets who can maybe love you up and show you you're worth something? And worth is a whole, you know, we could talk all afternoon about worth. Yeah. 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 Well, the other book that I absolutely loved, and again, even if you want to look at fabulous pictures, drawings, I mean, it's it's just kind of fun. Again, it goes back to that that childlike where the color, the art, you know, kind of being outside the lines. Um, you embrace that, which which is nice because not everybody does. But how would you describe the great green okayness? I know how I would, but I'm curious to. Oh. If somebody said to you, okay, I, I need you to tell me in a few sentences, what's what's the book about? Well, here's, so Great Green Okanus, um, and the subtitle is a, Fi- a Field Guide to Seeing Your Uncommon Magnificence. I am going to read, actually, from oh. page 73. Yep. I think I have that. Um, yep. And this is as a way of responding to your question. Okay. Great. Okay. One day I was introduced to the great green okayness. A client told me about this place where everything belongs and nothing is veiled. 
It contains all of which we are ashamed of and proud. All our anger and all our joy live here without judgment. There is this expanse where we can peaceably see our whole life. If we look real hard, maybe we can all see it, maybe even be it. So she, this client shared with me about this great green field that occurred to her and was very real to her, where she could go into it internally and be so safe with all of who she is and without judgment. And so the book itself is meant to be an invitation, meant to be a safe space for people, an invitation to your magnificence, to seeing it. Uh, each page spread is meant to be uh, looking at your life from an, uh, a new lens, a new way of thinking about who you are that points out your magnificence in some ways that maybe you haven't considered before. Hmm. That's a great explanation. That's one of the pages that I had um, marked because I love that statement. Okay. But then the other one that I loved, maybe it's because I love snow globes, was 115 where combine our love. And, and I thought in, in our world today, we need to combine our love, our differences and kind of come together. I loved that, that every time you and the client got together, that it snowed and, and how you decided that you kind of created your own little snow globe when you yeah. came together. I just, again, a new way to look at what potentially some people might say, oh my God, it's snowing again. Or And you live up in Minnesota. So you get a lot of snow. Again, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, you get a lot. And, you know, even today I was on a call and someone said how much they don't like the cold. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this is a good response to that. Make your own globe where it can be nice and warm and you will like the weather that you've been delivered today because you can't change the weather so much. But I loved that. And, you know, so I, I know I asked you what's kind of the theme that runs through it through all three of your books. For me, the theme that I saw was that it's okay to be you in this very moment, wherever you are. Mm. And that this present moment, whether you're diving in or you're listening or you're in this space of okayness, it's just okay to be who you are. No, yeah, it's just okay. And so that's why I loved the book, The Great Green Okayness, because I think so often we're always trying to be more than what we are in that moment. And I think people get frustrated and irritated because they aren't more than just their okayness. When in reality, that okayness could be fantastic. It could be, you know, you're writing a book or you are you know, running a company or you're being the a great mom or a great daughter or a sister or whatever. And that could be pretty fabulous. And that okayness doesn't have to equal mediocrity. It can equal blooming. It can equal anything that you want it to equal. Showing up in the morning with a cup of tea. Right. Looking out your window and being right. with your heartbeat. Right. But that's profound. That right. being, as you said, Amy, just who you are and where you're at in that moment. Right. Right. Like that's 
those are some keys to life. Yeah. And that was my big, my big thing. And I, you do a lot with, with rainbows um, <laughs> and, and, and my son. And busted. Yes. Yeah. So is, is there a reason why you do a lot with, with rainbows? It's a great question. I think I've just simply always been captivated with color, you know, okay. and I, if we could just take a poll with, with people listening, it would be so much fun to have around Robin. When I was young, you know, like even fifth, sixth grade, I had a pad of paper like this, oh. big, maybe 11 by 17 or something. And I just did all these different pictures with rainbows and everyone and every inch of my walls in my bedroom. I just taped them all up. So my, and, and I remember also just one more thing in junior high in math class, there was this overhead. And I remember the teacher, whenever she'd switch colors of her pens as she was drawing math equations, I was captivated like, oh, now we're on to green. Oh, now we're on to red. You know, it just was a thrill to me. I just respond to colors. And so I just, that's what comes through my pen. And I would, it would be so fun to have a whole conversation. And I invite people listening to think about what are your memories with colors? And what does that say? I don't know. What do you hear in that? You know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Even recent memories. I remember our, our daughter painted her bedroom, this bright, bright pink. And then our son wanted an orange bedroom and we compromised on an orange bathroom instead. It took three coats of paint to paint over that when it was time. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. And I, I always wanted to have wild wallpaper, you know, back in the day when wallpaper was really, I wanted this big, huge wallpaper and my, and I wanted peace signs and hearts and just crazy. And I was probably eight or nine years old. And so my mother compromised and let me have Martha Washington wallpaper, which was big florals and, but very traditional. So I, I still remember that just loving that color. I never, I always loved color everywhere and And now even behind you with your flowers there and just yeah it's just such a big um yeah the minute I could have a red wall I painted a red wall I said had to have a red wall right so that there's this association with color with freedom and being yourself too right right Uh, here I can now I can do it right the other thing I was hearing about the orange wall painted and how it, it took three coats to right. you know I, I just loosely associated that with the thing about the cost of being all in and you were sharing we were talking earlier about the hair and being swimming and being in the water being all in diving in that okay but now my hair is a little more fried and that okay if you paint really bright color on the wall and then you, as we we're saying we do evolve too like now I want something different for whatever right. reasons now it's more work to deal with that wall. Right. Like there's cost to being all in. Right. And so, but there's also costs to not being all in. Absolutely. And so it's weighing that. Right. Well, and I think back to when I couldn't have that crazy wild bedroom. And, you know, here I am 40 some years later, and I still remember that. And yes. I thought I would never, I don't want my kids to say that I didn't give them that orange bathroom or that 
hot pink bedroom or whatever it it, it may have been. Because, yeah, I, you know, I think kind of to your point, living all in, living in full color is extremely important because I often wonder what does it stifle later in life if you don't get to be able to live in full color as soon as you recognize the color in your life, you know? Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Oh, yeah. You just kind of wonder what uh-huh. what happens with that. And I grew up with a fabulous childhood, fabulous family. And, you know, there's nothing against my, my wonderful mom. Yes, um, yes. But so, yeah. And how much living don't we do in full color because we wonder what others will think of us? Right, like, what would someone say? Oh, my God, you have that bright orange bathroom. What the, what are you thinking? Or, you know, whatever that that may be or the Pepto-Bismol pink room or, right. you know, right. and when do we stop caring what other people think? And we just listen to ourselves for a while and um, live or forever. But right. Right. Even better. Let's listen to ourselves. Yeah. forever. <laughs> Yeah. And even for people that don't want color, if, if, if having a white wall with some beautiful painting gives you joy, then, then live in your white, your white wall or because, and yeah, just because it's white doesn't mean it's not your own scent, your own color. Um, And I think we can't, we can't define other people's color. Is the oh other my goodness, isn't that the truth? Because yeah. the thing, and I think in us talking about colors is go with what brings you joy, with what brings you, you know, makes you come alive. I'm writing and, and um, illustrating my newest book. And in it, I do have a page about also the importance whites and of that we have space for calm, that it's not just about vibrance, color, blah, blah, but, you know, that it's just like when we do laundry, you know, we have our whites and our colors and they need to each have their day in the sun, right? And to be treated accordingly. And I know for myself at nighttime, I tend to need a little bit calmer colors and, you know, in my last few hours before sleep. So we just, it's, it's about listening to what you need and about listening to who you are. And I love that you brought up the idea of, of, and stories about also as parents, you know, like your mom, her giving you the more traditional florals was her version of yes to you. That's what she was, you know, she was looking for a way to say yes. And in a way that she thought she was being helpful and blesser, you know, but that there is this thing about not just being who we are, but encouraging our children to be who they are, right. right? The impact of, yes, you can have that pink room if that fits for your family, you know, right. Right. but, but that, that it is part of the contemplation. If you right. are a parent, right. I'd pass this on. Yeah. And I, I hope my son's okay with that. He just had an orange bathroom and not an orange room. Oh. <laughs> I have to ask him. It's I was going to say. Honey, I'm just curious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please circle back. Or, or do you need color therapy? If you do, let me know. He's 20, <laughs> soon to be 24. I'm sure he'll get a kick out of that when he, yes. when he listens yes. to that. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so who's your inspiration, Rachel? Who's kind of given you your ability to look 
at yourself in full color? Mm, what was my inspiration? You know, one of the, the first thought that's coming to me, which is a little bit of an outside of the box response, is that a dozen or so years ago, maybe a little more than that, when I really started circling back to my art, because I did this okay. when I was young, I found that my art was an inspiration for me so that as I was drawing, illustrating all these figures um, and colors and the line work that I was putting outfits on um, these girls and women and that as I was outfitting them, they were starting to impact how I dressed and vice versa. And then as I became more myself and saying more the words I needed to say, that started showing up on the page. And it just was, I, I did this other art piece that says, I create art and art creates me. Ooh. That, that was my experience in it. And certainly, um, I think one of the questions you, questions you had asked me uh, when we agreed wonderfully to do this together, this conversation, you said, what are maybe three books that have impacted your, what was the question impacted my career? Your life. My, my life. Yep. Well, I'd like to share those as a way, maybe because yep. it was something I gave some thought to. And I would say Pippi Longstocking. Ooh, I can um, see that. <laughs> talk about free to be you and me, you know, wow. strong little girl who lifts up the horse and, and also has pain. I mean, her dad lives far away and I have, I can relate to some of that. I didn't always have my dad in my home, although I loved him. And, you know, there's ways she had to grow up fast and I did too, but she's also colorful and has friends. And I mean, there's just a ton I relate to with Pippi um, and always loved her since I was little. So I would say Pippi Longstocking has definitely impacted me. Okay. I would say my sweet friend, um, Sark, yeah. who's an author and artist yeah. and from a young age. She has maybe many of us um, because she's also very free to be you and me. You know, yeah. her books are so honest. She speaks of what's difficult and what's joyful, both. I have several, we- I have several of, of her books. Yeah, right on. Succulent Wild Woman and many yeah. others, you know, yeah. and so... Those were formative for me um, okay. and encouraging my um, inner artist and inner writer and being who I am and that she does it so honestly, like it's not like, well, she is so above anybody, like she's right in the trenches with us and doing her work. Um, and the other person I want to say who I thought of in book isn't as far reaching of an impact, but intersected with me at a very special time when I was just starting to really write and do art as um, in my adult life again. Um, And when I started with my book, all I did was listen. Um, And that is Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird by Bird, right? Yes. And the thing with Bird by Bird is that when I was just starting to write, all I did was listen I was giving myself weekends here and there that I scheduled in to write. And my very first night that I was about to start writing bird by bird or start writing all I did was listen. Um, I had the house to myself and I had all this resistance inside me. Like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) And I went out and saw the movie by myself that night. um, Sex in the city. (laughs) 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 My first night. 
of, of writing. All I did was listen. Hilarious. And then Saturday morning, I got up and I was ready to write. But Anne Lamott speaks about the writing process in yeah. Bird by Bird. And she talks about that resistance that we feel as writers. And that was so helpful to read that from her. It's been a while since I read that, but I think she has language for that even. And I just felt such acceptance and sisterhood coming beside me in that, the realness of it. So what made you decide to write three books? Mm. Well, I think that with All I Did Was Listen, which was my first one, I was simply so inspired by the things I was hearing in my therapy office Mm. from my clients. And I felt like I can't keep this to myself. You know, the paradox of this super confidential space. (laughs) I'm supposed to keep it to myself. Right. But I felt like there was a larger story being told. And I didn't want to be the only one learning from it and being inspired by it. And so then it just kept going. I found that there were just words and pictures that kept coming to me that I wanted to continue to share with people on a larger scale in addition to my office to encourage people in being their beautiful real selves. Well, and do you keep a journal? I did like with all I did was was listen. I did write. I had like mad notes, like tons and tons of notes. Yeah. But I wondered, do you keep a journal on yourself and what you're kind of, yeah, just kind of what you're thinking? Because I can only imagine what those pictures would look like. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you should do. You should make a journal with pretty pictures that people could write in. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just fun and wispy. And I encourage um, the grateful listeners to please um, find Rachel, find her books, the stories are reaffirming, enlightening. They let you know that everybody is okay. They're in their they're in their great green okayness. You're not alone with thoughts or problems. Because then all I did was listen. There were a lot of stories that I found myself in, and there is some relief in in knowing that you're not alone, and it's okay to be okay. So thank you. I'm so glad we connected. I am so glad I got to read these books. They really, they're fabulous from the words to the art. It's all, it makes you feel good. It really does. It makes you feel good. So thank you so much for this fabulous conversation. It's been so much fun. Um, It makes you want to go do some art and go paint a wall, some crazy color. (laughs) I'll do that in honor of you. What I do. Thank you. All right. Oh, thank you for having me so much. This has been delightful. It's been fun. Thank you for joining me today. I don't know about you, but I sure am grateful for the opportunity to listen and learn from such great women. So if you enjoyed yourself as much as I did, please feel free to share Braveful podcast with your friends and colleagues, as well as please subscribe to Braveful on your favorite podcast apps. Have the best day ever, and until next time, be braveful.